Hey everyone, welcome to No Presidium's Review Crew. This is episode number 36, and I'll be your host today, Kevin Gossett. I'm the LA Reviews Editor for No Presidium. And today on the show, we have. Hi, I'm Ali Murata. I'm a correspondent in New York City. Hi there, I am Blake Weil. I am the East Coast Curator at Large. And this is Patrick McLean, the Chicago Curator. Thanks for being on today. Um, we actually just did the Traveler's Guide to Little Soderbergh, which is what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But before that, I'm going to go through some quick uh, site news before we dive into the episode proper. So um, if you haven't checked out the site in a little bit, there's an events listing page, which has some cool stuff on it. So um, next up on March 21st is the DIY Publicity 101 for Immersive Creators. So Noah will offer up his expertise as a journalist on the basics of publicity and event relations for immersive events to help you pitch your events and get them covered. So there'll be two separate Zoom 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 sessions on on March 21st, uh, one at 4 p.m. Pacific and one at 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, They'll be really small. It's limited to 10 people. So you get a lot of kind of like time to spend going through portfolios and and different examples. Next up, we'll have an AMA with Tara O'Conn. Uh, Tara's a longtime collaborator with Third Rail Projects, and her career has led her from dance design to acting, all with a focus on the art of connection. So she'll answer your questions on March 24th, and the queue for those, those questions will open up on March 21st on the NoPro Discord, which you can find in the show notes. The uh, final thing that's coming up is we're working on planning a community forum around expectations and advisories. So um, creators can explore how best to set audience expectations, present clear content advisories, and market their work while still maintaining the mystique. This will also take place on the NoPro Discord, just like there are other events. Uh, we're still ironing out a date, but we'll let, no, let you know when that's coming up on the site, social, and podcasts. So now we're going to dive into the Traveler's Guide to Little Soderberg. So this is a live online escape game from Ready Adventure Company, um, where you explore... Little Soderbergh, which is a town. So um, there's a little bit more to that, but we're not going to get into that just yet. I think we'll have a spoiler section uh, in a few minutes to talk about the show in a little bit more depth. But I just want to kind of throw it to everybody for your your first reactions. We literally got out of the show about 10 minutes ago. So I'm curious what everybody's uh, thinking and feeling about it. In my mind, this is like what Swamp Motel has tried to do, executed to its fullest potential. This satisfied me in a way that shows like Iskander didn't, but used really similar sort of pseudo escape room kind of online interface hacking ideas. And yeah, I think some of those ideas to, to be clear, um, it, it's a very group involved show and um, it can show different things to different people. So some people will have to do one thing while communicating that to the rest of the team and letting people know what's going on. Um, it has some very clever things around the notes that you have to do and how to navigate through some spaces um, that actually has some very kind of like old school video gamey point and click feel, which I assume is what they were going for with, with the interface, which is very polished too. Um, very slick looking, very like kind of you get some different things thrown at you um, in different sections of the game. Well, and I think the interface is maybe the not unsung hero here, but does a lot for this experience. I think it's 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 all ages in the best possible way. Like because of a there's a throwback mentality, the coloring and the styling to a lot of like the background and the detailed documents is really both. Uh, engaging and warm and inviting but also clearly meticulously laid out 
Like this isn't something where, you know, oh, we need a map of a town. Like someone took some time to really make it feel like a, you know, New England-esque small town and really put a lot of life and detail into it. And from that, that's where I get that all ages tone because, you know, we've all been on these, I think, at least I have been on these family vacations where you go to these kind of small towns and everything's like chipper mainstream, it's Main Street America. And it's mainstream, I guess. And that really gives it a lot here. And I think they encompass that kind of like, hidden Americana vibe. And I think that just makes it very kitschy and cute in a delightful way. Even stranger because little Soderbergh is supposed to be in Britain, I believe. Oh, but really? wow. Wait, Oops. is it? Well, we went to the .co.uk site at one oh, point, yeah. so I figured. Interesting. Okay, can we just splice me every time I said uh, New England? Can we splice in <laughs> Great Britain? We'll change it in post. We'll change it in <laughs> yeah, post. Yeah. It's fine. We got, we got you, Patrick. Thank you. Ali, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the interface was really the highlight of the experience. Um, I also thought there were a lot of details that were incorporated in a really nice way. Uh my only complaint, and this is probably just because I'm not great at escape rooms or puzzles, but I could have used a little bit more onboarding or like directions at some points because there were some moments where you all were doing something and I was like, "What? where are you? <laughs> like, what's happening? And I think that's that's fair because it. I think it clearly wants you to communicate, but it doesn't always signpost clearly that you need to be doing it it's trying to i think in in parts but it's hard to maybe kind of grasp who's seeing what like people dive right into the puzzle without being like oh i'm seeing this screen and you're seeing the screen and how is that information going to come together um and i think that's not super clear that like when people are seeing different screens because sometimes it's the same and sometimes it's different and there's not like a clear Allie, I know you're seeing this and i'm seeing this like how can we work together mm-hmm. exactly i think that's such an awesome while I think I do agree at that point, it maybe could have been maybe thought out or there could have been more signposting. I think that's a really engaging usage of puzzles in the online space. Because I feel like sometimes we've done a lot of uh, uh, online escape sh- experiences. And what happens is, is that we're all kind of working on something together. We're all looking at the very same thing where with the computers and being interconnected in such a way online, you can, we all don't have to be looking at, any, at anything, which also makes it even more encompassing of a true in-person escape room experience. So I thought I'm always, I always enjoy these experiences that really try to make the most of being like, well, they're all looking at something, but does it have to be the same thing? And how can they build on that? I actually want to give it real kudos for making us look at different things because Ali, to your point, point your self-deprecating totally unnecessary point you're wonderful in escape rooms and we love to have you (laughs) um sometimes people do get left behind in escape rooms when everyone can see the same thing and i think it was actually really nice that because we're all seeing different things that means every player has to be a part of the puzzle Mm -hmm. absolutely and yeah, it forces like you to even like slow down a little bit. Like one person can't just like blow through puzzle, puzzle, puzzle. You have to talk. You have to think it through and understand what everybody's seeing. And it, it's it's I don't think I've ever seen a 
an online one kind of do that. I I love it a lot, actually. I've at least haven't seen an online one do it as well as this. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt really in, really professional. This it felt like a Jackbox games level of quality almost. Yeah, the way exactly. It, it worked. I everything went smoothly. I think we maybe ran into one small technical glitch at one point, and the game seemed to auto adjust for it. There's clearly in certain puzzles some behind-the-scenes control in case the tech isn't going well, which also allows for a lot of humorous flexibility as whoever's behind the controls plays with the interface. Well, I, and I have a question. Allie, are you, were you, are you on one screen? Are you, like, only on your laptop? Yes. Okay, so this is because, uh, long story short, I, I'm not in my office space as usual where I have at least two monitors, and I'm in a room only on my laptop. And... I, I agree that I think it dawns on me now with Ali with your comment that I think maybe there's a presumption whether right or wrong or I'm projecting one onto Soderbergh and all other online escape room experiences that people might be looking at two monitors because I definitely mm-hmm. that's a lot of those things you're feeling Ali in regards to because I was clicking back and forth and you know, I wanted to kind of see and look at you guys and like look at the chat as like Kevin was pinging like helpful hints or keeping track of stuff. But then to like, I was in the middle of something on another tab and it definitely gets a little overwhelming. So that's something that just kind of dawns on me. But I think that might be a, it could, in your defense alley as well, could be just the fact that like you're on one screen and that's always hard. Does Fully agreed. I was on one screens. I was on thing? one screen as well and I totally needed two screens fully agreed because i was on two screens and it felt easy because i could keep everything open and like i think that's why i was trying to ping the information because i was clear as people were not seeing it but i even that feels like a kind of small nit to pick with this show like it well that's yeah i wanted that oh, for like, sure no no and I think, online shows do this right like even, yeah, yeah even like even um uh live ones that aren't escape rooms i've you know Heck, even some VR experiences expect you to be looking or doing too much in that sense. So, like, it just, it's just funny in talking with Ali and the way this conversation is going. But, yes, to your point, I think it's an online thing, but I just noticed it for the first time here. Uh, have we said out loud yet, everyone go do this show? Because everyone go do this show. Yeah. This was so yeah, much fun. it was everyone so cute. go do the show. Very it's- charming. Great. Yeah, it's it's delightful. It's charming. Um, I think there's like a good variety of puzzles too. Um, I think we'll, mm-hmm. we may get into them a little bit more in the spoiler section, but I think we can kind of talk overall that there's like a, a decent variety that you're not doing the same thing that doesn't feel like a standard even on like online escape game. And like, I have like, here's this puzzle. It's like, it's a good amount of stuff you're, you're working through. Nor are they puzzles just for And there's something sake. for non-puzzle people as well in this. Right. And the pacing is such that it's, in a good way, it doesn't have the pressures or crunch of an escape room. This isn't something where you're going to feel like, oh my god, if I'm not a puzzle genius, I'm going to fail and I'm going to let the whole team down. No, this is something where you can kind of sit back and enjoy it. There doesn't, You're not in there to rush through puzzles and try to win this. You are there's here not to even enjoy a, the ride. There's not even a timer on it. Like You don't know you're running out of time or anything. It's not like, oh, I'm not going to finish it. It plays out everything you need to play out um i guess unless you run super duper long maybe but even then 
Go see it, everybody. I <laughs> yeah. think like in that sense. I yeah. think like it's uh, it's very hard to talk about this without spoilers. So I think really I'm is. gonna be the yes. one to declare that if you are gonna go see it, please duck out now because it's better to go in blind here. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I I looked around the site and I was like trying to write the description for this before before we we saw it so I could introduce it. And there's not a lot of information, and anything I would have written would have basically been completely wrong. So um, this is your your last chance. So uh, spoilers from here on out for Traveler's Guide to Little Soderberg. Um, I don't know if we have Catherine's little spoiler alert from our last show to insert, but maybe no one can do that. If not, uh, this is your spoiler warning. All right, so now we're gonna we're gonna jump in. Who wants to uh, give away the 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 hook, so to speak, to keep the, uh, the pun? <laughs> maybe of this maybe this game. should have been called the Time Traveler's Guide to Little oh. Right, right, or a adventure out of time. No, we didn't this like that. was <laughs> so much fun. If, also, if, if you haven't caught on, we're all doing dumb puns because the show is uh, puns all the way down. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. The basic premise is what starts out as a tour of a frankly mundane small town quickly goes off the rails as you realize that their local soda factory is controlled by sentient fish seeking world domination. And you, the players, must go on a time travel adventure through all the eras of Little Soderberg in order to defeat the fish before their plans bear fruit. And this leads you from the future to the far, far past, farther than I ever expected to go, (laughs) all the while doing really delightful humor. So, um, Patrick and Allie, kind of, how did you how did you feel about the the fun of the show and, and the time traveling aspect? You know, it caught me off guard, so I felt like I spent a long time uh, catching up in that way. Um, but it, yeah, it was fun. Um, I think it gave it a like a lot of room of where to go, whereas it could have been limited otherwise. So I think it's clever in that sense. Yeah, I definitely think it once again was really mindful of the medium and what it could do. Cause I feel like you guys suppose you could do this like in person, but it'd have to be like a multiple room experience, right? Like you'd have to like open a door and the conceit is then you'd be trying traveling to a new period but then it has to be almost identical because you're really kind of staying in the same, the same place more or less. Um, I additionally, what I, I, I really like the collaboration here. I think, you know, this was such a big part of this experience to, while maybe it could have been clear, that's what we needed to be doing. I always have, it felt like even though it was, when there was two others of us who played, even though all six of us were not in the same place, I, felt like we were all huddled around something mm-hmm. trying to figure it out together. And I feel like that's such a hard thing to do online. And I think they successfully did it here. It, it's funny. Even multiplayer video games of the modern era struggle to replicate what feels like the fun of almost like the N64 couch multiplayer era. Yes. This game gave me that feeling again. 
even though it was designed to be played remotely. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point because it was a lot of like, oh, like so and so is doing something like cool or funny or like trying to make it work, and like it was it was fun to like have to relay that information or like um, I think maybe all of our favorite section I don't want to speak for everybody was the the room B section where everybody was able to give mm-hmm. um, a robot vacuum commands and navigate it through this map and kind of come up with different ways to solve the puzzle, and I think it's maybe more and more like emblematic sections of the game where like you can be creative and you can all work together and kind of piece together what you're supposed to do. And it's just, it's, it's really fun. And um, like Blake mentioned earlier, I think that's where the um, game master is, is running and is actually kind of responding to you as this robot vacuum. And it's really like delightful. And um, Blake it made was sure like to, playing to save D&D the robot with your room. Yeah. It was <laughs> spectacular using this kind of fake Alexa interface to do what amounted to a an improvised text-based adventure in which anything could be accomplished because this is a very advanced Roomba. You are not picking from a set list of commands. You no. you had so many fun options. And I feel like we we solved it one way and I'm sure there was probably I don't know more than more than that to uh to crack through that and like figure out how to how to get what we needed out of that that section yeah it dawns on me that we maybe could have because I, I, I basically at one point our uh uh, uh the Roomba basically had a mop <laughs> uh, uh, the top of a mop like the, the part you actually clean the floor with on top of it with a hat and I think we maybe could have tried to pass it off as maybe a person and flirt with the guard to try to get Mm-hmm. through the door to get to the security oh, yeah. I feel like there there was a the D&D example is perfect in the sense of like if you make a kind of reasonable thing and have some fun with it you're going to you're going to have a, a, a really good time. Cuz I don't think we even like tried to talk to I think there were a couple like people in that section. I don't think we tried to talk to them we just like we're like oh we got a ball and there's a dog so we should throw the ball so the dog chases the ball. Um, and that like opens up some other stuff, but even then, I think we we made sure to to fry the fish and to get Ruby out of there. Like, so I think those are things that you don't have to do, but you can. I was very curious if we only got to see Ruby at the very end because we chose to got get him out of there. If they just would have dropped that plot thread, if we weren't obsessed oh. with him, mm-hmm. and if they had two videos prepared. I would be very curious to see a group that doesn't save Roombi, but I hope every group saves Roombi by that Everybody same token. Everybody should save Roombi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the, t- that's the subtitle of this episode. Um, <laughs> I-, I also, but like before before that, we there was a hacking puzzle. Oh, God. Yeah. The hacking puzzle was like we were in a Hollywood movie, meaning that all we had to do was push, push, push keys. We just we could just like you know like uh, like the like we just hit the keys and are clicking and clacking and things like that. It doesn't matter. We just have to keep typing things. And then what happens is some we get hit with a virus or we got hit with a firewall. And then we had to collaborate to try to free whoever was stuck in the like the the firewall to get through it, which I thought was cool. But once again, it's just like yeah, like we're hacking. We're hacking like it's 1992 and. 
uh, some Shakespearean actor who's being asked to, you know, shoot a scene with a keyboard. It's just like, I'm just going to hit these keys. I don't care. I'm trying to deliver my lines and go home. How, how appropriate that that was the puzzle for the 90s section of the time travel. Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And I think what even was so, I think, fun about that puzzle, too, is we had tried, we were trying to like figure out what to do. And then someone cottoned on to what, like, you just had to hit a bunch of keys. And it was like this really fun light bulb moment where it was like, oh, we are just supposed to pound the keys. Like, we're in a 90s hacker movie and we're just like typing really fast and actually hacking this thing. Um, by that same n- note, I just want to say the tone across the board was spectacular. People who listen know that I always fetch about how there's no comedy in immersive when I find a delicious exception. And this was, mwah, I love comedy immersive. And this really managed to keep a feeling of stakes and emotional investment while still being laugh out loud, funny, and keep us consistently giggling. Well, I think it has to do with the play of it too. This was just playful, like, you know, in the sense of like, yeah, just hit your keys. Yeah. T- go, Hey, Roomby, um, use the laser to boil this fish. <laughs> um, it, I it, won't it, give spoilers to the context, but there was a rap battle at one point. There was. There was. Oh, not the rap battle. We were very bad at the rap battle and had to replay it a few times. (laughs) Yeah. Even, and even that, like, I think the, it's trying to avoid like super spoilers. It, Patrick noted, I think the music in that section and it's like the music in a boss battle in like an RPG almost is this like tone. Yeah, very electronic. Yeah. But it feels, it feels like a video game played out through this escape room, like in a, like clever nod to to kind of what happens in kind of like 90s 2000s rpgs you know again video gaming is often so derisive in our industry it's used to make people to say like oh this feels on rails this feels like there's no real sort of narrative thrust or sense of choice i think this is video gaming in the best way yes yes, yes. in that it feels mm. like designed to engage you more than anything else this is a game about play and even i think that that extends we we talked about the interface but we didn't talk about like the backgrounds like everything seems hand drawn or hand designed and it's all as you go through the eras it reflects it's like the town in the far future and now it's underwater you go back to the medieval times and it's a castle and like these like thatched roof houses and then you go even further back and it's just a cave like it's it does all these clever things and it changes every time you do it to these kind of coolly like designs or even like the the hall with the founders and it's like they're these painted like fish pictures of the of the founders who are of course in suits which you know it's (laughs) naturally humanoid suit suited bodies with the fish heads sticking out top of the eyes (laughs) that was really goofy the whole thing was, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I hate the phrase because it makes me sound like a parent from the 50s, but good, clean fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's true. It's, it was just like a really fun es- escape room and it's, it's lighthearted, but it's, it's got a story. It's, it kind of plays with these themes and these ideas and it's the, 
the puzzles, I, it was, it's just really fun. Like I don't, I'm a critic and I just keep using the word fun over and over again, but that's what it was. Now that you, you guys have mentioned like how the design has kind of incorporated it to make it like to make you goofy and fun. And kind of when we were doing the, there was a moment where we had to guess the words, but it only showed up on, I think mine and Catherine's screens. And I was reading, of course, I was reading everything out loud as it was happening because it's a terrible habit, but I started reading it out loud and then I read the words and then after it, it said, don't say these words out loud. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I was like, why wouldn't they put that first? But then I was like, oh, maybe I was supposed to like to make it more, also, also to understand it, but to make it like that kind of playful environment, um, it totally lends itself to that. What what other puzzles were going on too? Um, we talked about the hacker one. We talked about the Roomby. Um, oh, there's oh the uh, the the medieval like t- Twitter. What was it? What was it called? It was like oh, Facebook. Face- Castle it was book. like an old style yeah. Facebook parody that quickly turned into a like logic puzzle. Well, but the, but there was a commitment. I think what Kevin maybe like, and that maybe this is it. Like, there's a commitment to the detail, beginning to end. Like, they spoke in old timey things. Like, like the, let's go. Like the person in their comments is like, let's go to the ye old pub and have a you know, a pint and sing a song. I I can't do it. I yeah, barely. Barely. Yeah, thank you. Someone else. <laughs> it was. It was. The, it was that. It was the way we talk about and the way we use those terms, like when we go to the Renaissance Fair and we're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to say like the yield in front of every Yeah. Even though it was like modern things, like there was one character that was just like a gym rat and was talking about the gains and everything. But it was like <laughs> ye old games. <laughs> so silly. Because if there's anything I, I missed during that section, is it it moves a little quickly because you're kind of looking for some specific information and the time to like go back and read through them because it's genuinely funny. Like the the bits that all the all the characters you can look at their their feeds there are. Yeah, it's worthwhile flavor text. It's it's definitely not like I feel like we've all been to things in person or online where it's like, I mean, you know what I'll. Uh, I don't know. We we're, contra- we're contractually obligated to sit, talk about baseball. I think once an episode, <laughs> and yes, like um, sometimes the lore there, it's just like goes on and on. And I know it's clever, and it's really every line is full of like care and comedy and love and things. But it's just like there's just like way too much, and there's just enough. Like it's dialed in the correct amount of flavor text. So like as you have to read something to find a piece of information, you're having a good time rather than, yes, this is all good and fun, but I just have to keep reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. I guess. No, I, I, I was almost going to say, and for those of you playing a drinking game, my contractual obligation, Korean game shows, I feel like (laughs) my (laughs) opinion of what I want out of my escape rooms has changed a lot during the pandemic. I used to be almost exclusively either puzzle crazy or a scenery hound. Those were like, I wanted either to look expensive or make my brain hurt. And 
As the pandemic and my deep dive into shows like Busted and The Great Escape showed, what I really want now is integration. I want all my puzzles and the scenery and the attitude of the game master to all dovetail into a seamless experience that gives me a feeling. I don't necessarily care what feeling it is, just I want there to be an intent there on the part of the creators, and I want them to effectively transmit it to me. And I feel like this did that and more. That there was this real seamless melding on all levels of the way that music and design and puzzle design and the bits of acting we got and the responses to some of our, shall we say, creative solutions. Everything served that end tone. And I think to kind of go back to a few episodes where we, we talked about things that don't work, I think this is almost on the other end of things that just work so well because, like you said, it's there's a clear intent here and everything they've, they've worked around is so cohesive to to work towards that point, it makes the show function and it's, it makes it funnier. It makes the puzzles work. It makes sure like we're all working together. We can talk about it and have this like common language within the show. Cause it's, it's so thought through, I think in, in what they're trying to do that it works really, really well. It's, it's funny how much more difficult it is to gush on this show than the ease with which we can fetch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no. We spent we spent thirty minutes, I think, talking about these these pieces, and I think it's because they work so well. They were they were fun, and I think that's that's where we talk. Like it's easier. Like I think when we're talking about like a negative, like a specific thing, and the way it it made the show not work. But I think these are all these pieces that we've talked about are are what makes a show work really well. Is when we can like just gleefully talk about all these aspects that that made Travel's Guide to Little Soderbergh such a fun experience for all of us. That yeah. is totally fair. Well, yeah, and as and I, there is some fair criticism to be had here. There could be some more signposting. You know, you kind of are. There is no, there is a game master running things, but there's no real way to. Um, if we were really stuck, it dawns on me now that unless we, unless I missed it, uh, there was no way to call upon help. Um, granted, I think a lot of these puzzles were designed for like collaboration engaging things and stuff like that and there was actually the final puzzle and trying to find the ingredient to ensure the fish population doesn't uh, uh rise up and control the future uh i it was a like it was an old school point and click adventure where you got to like move the, your cursor around to see the little feet icon to appear to move that way i was maybe you guys didn't notice how little i was involved in that puzzle because i kept getting lost I still don't know tunnels. how Blake got to the the control room one. I don't know. Yeah, who I have no clue. I don't know how I got to control <laughs> room one. Right. And so, like, if and imagine if maybe we were a less experienced group and, you know, we've maybe fatigued ourselves on the other puzzles up to that point. I don't know how we would have necessarily called for help uh, in that time um, and things like that. But I also, like, another thing that I... The other idea I was kind of percolating is I think what this does really well, and I think uh, I saw en route, I can't remember if I talked about having seen it myself separately, um, but what I enjoyed about like a comparison with like 
Soderbergh and en route was that like the conceit of that we're online, like in front of computers or whatever, and we're all in different places. Like it's just not addressed. You're just on your computer. You're just mm-hmm. on like you, you're just dialed in. And I, I feel like I think this is a benefit of year three of the new normal um, that it's just like, yeah, people can just go online and do an experience. We don't have to like explain why people are dialing in and are using Zoom or things and stuff like that. Right. And I think that's that's an affordance that I'm seeing more and more in a lot of the online work, which gets me excited for the longevity of this medium. And I think this one even to that point goes, it just completely ignores it. It's like, all right, we're all getting on the bus together and like you get in the bus and now you're somewhere new. It doesn't, it doesn't even try and address it because it doesn't, it doesn't need to. Like you said, we're in year three of three of this. These shows don't need to be like cheeky about why we're all virtual or even that virtual games exist. Cause I think as we talked about too, it's like, I don't, I, I would never see a show with either any of you on this, on this one. Cause we don't live in the same place. We're in, four different cities here so and if if anything i think that ignoring it honestly helps the suspension of disbelief it creates this happy-go-lucky let's all play pretend energy from minute one even before things start to get fantastical yeah and i think that's that's what it like it Again, I think it's another thing that just makes it work. It just dives you right in, and you're you're having fun, and it and then it takes that real left swerve into into time travel, and then it's like everybody just kind of rolls with it, and now we're in a time machine, so it doesn't matter that we're all virtual either. It's like okay, <laughs> like that's what's happening. I, I do have another quick criticism, um, in the sense of like in like in the sense of trying to be critical is that. So the, the time traveling element is introduced by a character who's um, done via recording. And, you know, they, they, it's tried to, I can't decide. Do you guys think it was intentional that they were trying to pass it off, that it was a recording? Or were they like, listen, it's a recording and we're going to try to let you like interact like it's a recording, but it's not. Because I'm of two minds about it because I thought like, it was maybe taking itself too seriously and trying to elicit a response. Like we were actually talking to the recording when, you know, whatever we said doesn't matter. It, it was a little bit blues clues in that way, or Mr. Rogers yeah. even, you know, and how was your day? That's great. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think almost what I got it from that segment too, um, was my first thought was Aquabats. I think just because the way the guy was dressed and then my second thought was the old like PBS Carmen San Diego um oh yeah that's show. a good comparison. Mm-hmm. It had like that kind of vibe which I think was is probably similar to, like Blues Clues and what you're talking about Patrick where I think they address the the audience or um whatever the the woman called you if you're on the time traveling one. Um but it had like a, a kind of sense of that. I wonder if that's something they were they were borrowing from or they like, kind of intentionally riffing on to to get that feel. Do you even do you think the kids even know where Carmen San Diego is? Because do they even know who Carmen San Diego is? Patrick, do you know where her? Carmen San Diego is? Yeah. Do in any my of us know where in the world Carmen San Diego is? She's always here. Answer, she's in our hearts. Yeah, that's what I, don't steal my <laughs> that's joke. That's what Patrick just said. <laughs> I didn't hear I'm so sorry. Wow. Oh now we got God. jokes stealing on the show. <laughs> Despicable. Um, no, no, I'm lost. Uh, (laughs) 
just like Carmen San Diego. Yeah, just like Carmen San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> well, final thought. Yeah, maybe maybe this is uh, yeah. This it seems maybe like we're at end the show. <laughs> Final thought is just go see it. Yeah. I, yeah. It's hard enough to have fun in pandemic times that when something is this just cleanly enjoyable, I will recommend it to everyone without reservation. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, any, anything final, final thoughts on your end? Yeah. No, I think, I, I think. I keep coming back to this, just like, yeah, the all ages engagement in borrowing elements. And the, I think now the time travel element really ends to that. Cause I think anytime you kind of look back on things that allows kind of, uh, everyone to know what's going on, right? Like there's no expectation of like thinking of other things and stuff like that, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, definitely. And what I also liked is I believe you have to book this, you, you book it all at once. So like yes. you've got to find six people and presumably if you you're doing that, you have five other people in mind who are going to be just as delighted and up to having fun. And Ellie on, on your part. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say that hasn't been covered. It's just a really cute, fun time. Um, probably wouldn't play it with my family cause they're awful communicators, but like this group. Awesome. A group of friends that like listens and talks to each other. Perfect. We slipped well, in then, the therapy corner right there at yeah. the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll wrap up by saying I think this joins like um, lavish shifting rules, uh, assassin artists, and Obakin as far as these like escape room or puzzle games that really like utilize the format of being being virtual to do something interesting or clever and and. Those are all kind of a different genre and tone, but I think they all have this like they're all very successful at what they do because they're they're trying to do it, and it's just a it's a fun time. So I think that's it. As always, no presidium is a labor of love. Everyone on staff who you hear on podcasts and read on the site are volunteers. You can help support this work by donating to the No Presidium Patreon. Just two dollars or five dollars a month helps. If you're enjoying the review crew or the main No Presidium podcast, you can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. For the review crew, signing out. Thank you.